the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're back at 6.06, final hour of the show. Great to have you here. 303-696-1971 is the phone number. 303-696-1971. We had a spirited conversation in the at the beginning of the show about the couple of very important races in Colorado where the Libertarian has taken enough votes away uh, to, if you believe, that those votes all come from uh, voters who would otherwise vote for a Republican to knock out our opportunity to take the brand-new congressional district, CD8. Barb Kirkmeyer leads or is uh, behind by less than uh, three-quarters of 1%, and the Libertarian in that race took two-and-a-quarter percent of the votes. And um, I was really happy to have someone from the Libertarian Party, uh, Patty McMahon, call in to talk about it from her perspective. But, um, you know, what's done is done in those races, that's for sure. We've got to look ahead and move on. And very excited to welcome my dear friend Jenny Beth Martin from Tea Party Patriots in. She is um, just an amazing activist and nonstop raises a family and still manages to make so much happen. And Jenny Beth, do we have you? My phones are blinking funny here. You sure do. Ah. It's so good to be with you, Randy. Yeah, likewise. And uh, you live in Georgia, so definitely want to spend a little time talking about the upcoming runoff. Obviously, it'll mean a lot less if um, if we don't pull out this Nevada race, which has gotten closer and closer. But before we get back to election stuff, uh, really exciting that we're presenting a movie that Tea Party Patriots has been um, so very deeply involved in. And it's going to be shown in theaters literally around the country, Chicago, Dallas, Cincinnati, Houston, Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, Phoenix, Seattle, Tampa, just everywhere, including Denver and Boulder. The movie's called Innovation Race, and tell folks what it's all about. So it is about, um, it's actually about patents and patent rights, but it is about the technological race between America and China, and we compare what's going on today between America and China to what happened with the Soviet Union and America during the space race. It's very important that we win against China, and we contend in the movie that there is a problem with our patent system, and that by strengthening our patent system, it will help us be better suited to beat China in this very important race for the future. Now, you know, when you hear a movie like that described, it you think, oh, that, that's kind of dry. That's not that's really not Batman and Robin. But I've watched the trailer for this thing. I've heard people talking about it. And it's actually fascinating and perhaps one of the most critical issues of our time. China, there's concern about China on so many fronts. Uh, but this is a way that they've just been slowly and surely chipping away at American dominance in a whole host of areas. Well, that is exactly right, Randy. And if we are worried about our economy, if we are worried about the um, 
Chinese social credit score system, if we are worried about whether our children are going to have jobs here in America, making sure that we protect our technology and that we make America, which has been for over 200 years, a place where inventors want to come to protect their property. If we are not taking care of that, then we're going to risk not being as competitive in the future. And a lot is at stake with this. And we just think it's very, very important. We're very proud of this work. And we're most especially proud of the fact that in this time when we are so highly divided as a country, that we've been able to get bipartisan voices in this film, including Senator Chris Coons and Congressman Thomas Massey. One of my favorites. I've I've spent time with Massey. What a mind he has. Oh, my goodness. He's created his own little dynasty where he lives that is self-powering off of, uh, I think, Tesla batteries or something. He's just, That's correct. That's right. He's absolutely amazing. So this movie premieres Wednesday at 7.30, and uh, tickets are available at innovationracemovie.com, innovationracemovie.com. Um, our good friend Regina Thomas uh, Thompson is is uh, hosting the movie in Denver. I'm not sure who's handling the one up west, but um, I'll be sending out an email to my group and getting this up on my social media um, over the weekend here. Any last words about the, the movie before I pick your brain on some politics? Um, one thing about the movie, this person is not in the movie. Molly Metz is from De- from Colorado, and she actually is considered the queen of jump rope. And um, we have, she is an inventor whose patent rights were stripped away from her. We interviewed her in a podcast related to the movie. So I think she'll be at one of the theaters in Colorado watching it, it if I am correct. And it, it, she's a, a hometown girl for people in Colorado who was stripped of her patent rights. And, and we have to protect people like that. Well, I, um, I'm scheduled to be in Austin, Texas to defend a deposition Wednesday and Thursday, but there's a chance that that might get tabled. I'll know Monday afternoon. So my, I definitely plan to attend the Denver showing if, uh, if I'm in town. So really looking forward to that. Now, um, you know, nobody, people who don't know you just have no idea how much time you spend on the road and uh, all the things that you've done for election integrity and get out the vote and, and supporting uh, you know, candidates who believe in limited government and, and reducing taxes and freeing up energy and all of the things that matter. Um, you live in Georgia and you've been through this runoff situation before. So um, you were there in 2020. Uh, you're there now. Um, what are the differences between the two situations? And do you have hope that Republicans can uh, actually pull a seat out there? I do have hope that Republicans can pull a seat out. Here's why. Um, in the race on Tuesday in the general election, all Republicans won every statewide constitutional office. So governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and so forth. The only statewide race they did not win was the one for the United States Senate, where we had a Democrat incumbent. None of the other races had a Democrat incumbent. And Herschel Walker, who's never run for office before, was able to to force Raphael Warnock into a runoff. So I think that that is one reason that that we that we we have going for us just the history of what just happened. On uh, top of that, 
as we look at uh, what happened in 2020 versus now, we've had changes to our absentee ballot law, and uh, you now have to have a voter ID number on your absentee ballot outer envelope, and I, that helps um, protect the vote and, and make it easy to vote but hard to cheat. Fascinating. I know the RNC, I'm Republican National Committee man for new listeners, and I know the RNC is pouring resources into Georgia. They've got people, including our good friend Harmeet Dillon, on the ground in Arizona right now, uh, people paying close attention in Nevada as well. And uh, But I know just as soon as these other two races are, are called that uh, all of the energy is going to flow into Georgia. And so I, I pray that somehow or another – uh, in spite of the cameras being off for eight and a half hours and all of the nonsense that Nevada is famous for, that Adam Laxalt uh, holds on to his now less than a thousand vote lead and uh, grabs one for the Republicans. This has not been the uh, red tsunami or red wave that was predicted by any stretch. No, it hasn't, but I, I do hope he holds on to it. I also know that Blake Masters has said that he's, um, it seems, based on his Twitter feed, he has not yet conceded defeat, and he's waiting for all of the ballots to be counted, uh, which makes sense. You need to, especially in, in the race in in these seats where it's so close, it makes sense to do that. Um, I, I, No matter what happens with both of those races, I understand that winning one makes Georgia much more could make Georgia much more important because the, the balance of the Senate is important. I think Georgia is still important no matter what. When you've got such a closely divided Senate, you want you just want to make sure you've got that extra seat because you never know what can happen in two years' time. Well, without a doubt. And um, so what are you – I imagine you'll be involved in the in the runoff in some way or another? Yes. So we actually have set up a website, help at gapolls.com, help at gapolls.com. And we have um, opportunities for people from out of state to help get out the vote in Georgia. And then we also are working on election integrity with poll watchers and public observers and making sure those positions are filled. All right, Jenny Beth Martin, I know I'll be talking to you tomorrow night on our weekly leadership meeting, and I really do appreciate your time today in Denver. Have a great Saturday night. Thank you so much, Randy. God bless. And I'll give you that website again before the show is over if you're interested in that movie, maybe sort of a change of pace. We get so caught up in the elections, and uh, and with good reason. And I had promised before we get to the hopping lines, 303-696-1971, I'd also share Carrie Lake's good news after she explained at the end of the last hour how these uh, somehow that uh, door three where the ballots go if the 20% of the voting centers at which one out of every five ballots can't be counted goes behind and then they found those ballots being intermingled with ballots that have already been counted. And here's what makes that relevant. No one doubts the idea that the people who show up on election day are strongly Republican in Arizona. That's the belief, which is why when all of a sudden on election day, equipment that's been tested and tried and true and, and uh, changed after the primary, but apparently, and at least they say was tested and working just fine, suddenly doesn't work on election day. So people are waiting for hours. People are sent to other places. Uh, and so it, it, it suppresses the vote. 
And then we learned that those likely predominantly Republican ballots are put into behind door three. And gosh, we've just happened to find a whole bunch of them tossed in with ballots that have already been counted. And that's what Carrie Lake was explaining. But she ended that brief interview with this. The good news is we're going to win. We know that for a fact because these 500 plus thousand that are left to be counted are the Republican voters, the people who showed up on Election Day and handed in their ballot because they have distrust of the system. And they haven't even begun to count those yet. And we know that those are the most ardent and big Republican supporters of all of the voters, and those are going to go to us in big ways. All we have to do is win 52% of those votes, and we're expecting to win anywhere between 70 or higher. Well, she's going to need to win more than 52% at this point. There's almost 350,000 votes left. She trails by 1.8% or 37,000 votes, which means she needs to get close to 65% of those remaining ballots. So Man, hang on, pray on, we shall see. Let's get some calls in here before the next break. We'll start with Travis. He's been waiting the longest. Travis in Inglewood, welcome to the show. Hi, um, Randy. Uh, can you explain to me how um, Mitch McConnell was able to contribute to um, Lisa Murkowski? Did, did the RNC have any control over that? contribution no we have no control over any of that and uh but boy has mitch mcconnell shown his true colors i'm telling you what he he pumps money in to hurt the actual conservative in alaska and to keep lisa murkowski alive because of their ridiculous rank choice voting um the conservative is winning but not by 50 percent plus one so there will be another round of voting where the Democrat votes are likely to go to Lisa Murkowski to defeat the actual conservative. It's, it's sick as can be. He pulled money from all kinds of, uh, of Senate candidates, millions of dollars, including Blake Masters, that could have made a difference back when early voting was going on because he wants to protect his fiefdom, not grow the Republican majority. Where did that money come from? With... Well, he's got his own super PAC. I mean, he's in control of tens upon tens, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars as the Senate minority leader. And so they all have their own super PACs, and, uh, and they all, you know, he gets to pick and choose where he wants that money to go. And it's, it's pretty disgusting. And the one good news about it all, Travis, and, you know, he's 82 years old, I think, 80 at least. And, you know, not Biden years. I mean, he's functioning. He's... He's always been kind of hard to hear because he had, I believe he had polio and, uh, you know, had a, had a real tough um, start to life. And so you got to admire that he's come through all of that. But uh, he ought to be done soon. And instead, he's just hanging on to power. But even Marco Rubio and other, you know, relatively longtime senators are saying, no, we are not going to have a leadership vote until these Senate races are decided, including the one in Georgia. And uh, so that's a good sign that the Senate is resistant to the, all of the nonsense that we've gone through with Mitch McConnell. Now, now, the Alaskan GOP censured him, didn't they? Censured McConnell? I I thought maybe they censured Lisa Murkowski. I don't know that they did anything about McConnell. But you could be right. Uh, did you see that, read that somewhere reliable? I, I thought I saw it online, but uh, I won't. Sure. Can the national RNC censure McConnell? 
Well, we could, um, but we, we don't meet until probably January or later. And um, I don't know, you know, with the election behind us, if that'll be on our mind. We did censure Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Uh, the, the, and I just love that the four Republicans on the J6 committee lost their jobs um, during this, this election from the House. But uh, yeah. we, we did censure them, and it was a virtually unanimous vote. I, I really enjoyed casting that vote. Well, I encourage you to censure McConnell, too. Amen. Well, I, there's a lot of unrest on the RNC right now, and people are complaining about Ronna McDaniel, the, the chair. Uh, you know, they always tie her back to Mitt Romney, her uncle. But I'll, I can tell you just from a couple of years of experience now, she uh, she is her own own woman. But she has promised to that this was going to be her last term. So people who are looking for a change of leadership at the top, assuming she keeps that promise, won't, aren't going to have to worry about whether Ronna McDaniel runs again. Well, thanks for all the information. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for calling and waiting, Travis. I appreciate it as well. We better take a break before we get to any more calls. 303-696-1971. Got some audio for you about some things that we can celebrate after this week so far. And I also want to play some Mike Pence. People are are saying that, oh, Mike Pence, he's been treated so poorly by Donald Trump, and he did the right thing. And Uh, You know, I never had a bad word to say about Mike Pence until he folded like a cheap suit on January 6th. And we'll talk about that a little bit when we return here on 710 KNUS. Got it right. Really should be the theme song for the show. 627, welcome back. 303-696-1971. We'll jump right back to the phones here in just a couple of minutes. A couple things to share with you first. I will be speaking at the uh, Mountain Republican Club and 285 Tea Party meeting this coming Tuesday. The doors open at 530 at the Barn in Evergreen. The meeting begins at 6. Always a great time up there. My dear friend Rich Wyatt, and uh, uh, they have great food and a wonderful environment and um, an event location. So many of those folks are coming down now to the Arapaho Tea Party meetings. And people are asking about that as well. By the way, if you want information on that, um, send an email to ArapahoTeaParty at gmail.com, ArapahoTeaParty at gmail.com, because I'm going to send out a, a notice to everybody with this flyer attached. But we'll be talking about the future of the Republican Party after this election in Colorado and else and around. And, um, and people want to know about my Mar-a-Lago visit with Trump just three uh, Mondays ago now. And, uh, and especially what uh, what was said when we talked uh, briefly about Joe O'Day. So that should be an awful lot of fun. And no Tea Party meeting this week. That would have been last Tuesday, which was election night, so we canceled it. But we will be having a Christmas party. And um, if you're if you haven't gotten information on that yet, again, send us an email at ArapahoTeaParty at gmail.com, ArapahoTeaParty at gmail.com. I always have to play this at least once per show to remind you what a lying scumbag Dr. Anthony Fauci is. I didn't shut down anything. I recommended to the president that we shut the country down. What? I didn't shut down anything. I recommended to the president that we shut the country down. Different day, different different rock-solid statement. I didn't do it. I did it. I didn't do it. I did it. That's Fauci. 
The Republicans are definitely set to take the House, and I expect those investigations to be very, very important. And, man, people, I guess uh, I guess I was a hot topic a bit on the morning show today. From what I'm hearing from people, uh, my friend Ted Trimpo was on, and and uh, I guess he made a comment about Lauren Boebert that, uh, you know, she's just not classy or something, talking about her standing up during Joe Biden's State of the Union speech and shouting, you lie, when he was lying about the Afghanistan uh, heroes that he killed by his stupid decisions. And I just wonder, and I may have to go back and listen to the podcast, given all the information that's coming in tonight. Um, I just wonder, did anybody mention or remind Ted of when Nancy Pelosi at Donald Trump's State of the Union address stood up at the end of the speech and and dramatically and slowly ripped the speech in half? Why is it that our people always get held to this super high standard, but when the trash on the left does the junk that they do, nobody ever talks about it? I just don't understand that. Apparently, we were told that Dick Wadhams deserves apologies from people. I haven't said anything about Dick Wadhams as a person. My only, I just in my promo said that Rove, McCain, Bush, and Wadhams got their candidates here in Colorado especially Joe O'Day. Oh, they did. George W. Bush came and fundraised for O'Day. Rove came twice to fundraise for O'Day. McCain support, or McCain, McConnell supported O'Day. And of course, Dick Wadhams did. And by the way, so did I. I, you know, Republican National Committee, man, I voted a straight Republican ticket because I felt it was my obligation. And I encouraged each and every one of you no matter what differences you had with Joe Day or Pam Anderson or anybody else, that we had to try and elect Republicans. And it was a blowout. So it didn't didn't work. And, and you know, the only really tough vote among the list for me was Pam Anderson. And not because she's a bad person or an evil person. I don't know her that well. I've spoken with her. She's been very, very, you know, uh, congenial. Her campaign manager thinks that I'm Satan, but, um, you know, I, I couldn't, it was very difficult for me. Somebody who was on the board of CTCL and was part of the funneling of the 275 million or whatever the Zuckerbucks were in 2020 into Biden districts. I was never satisfied with those answers, but as committee man, I encouraged everybody to vote Republican and I told, and we talked about the things we didn't like and why we should do it anyway. I don't know what else you can do. I don't know what else you can do. But oh my Lord, get after Bobert for shouting out Biden after we lose 13 heroes in Afghanistan and say nothing back about Pelosi ripping the State of the Union speech in half while the president is still standing there? Give me a break. Give me a a break. Well, I want to, we got to get to the phones. They're full. And, uh, but let me just play some good news. These are all very, very short. Uh, there were some really exciting things that happened this week. Uh, there were some red waves in a few places. So there was definitely a red wave, as Chad is talking about, in one of the places where you would at least expect to find it in deep blue 
New York. So what's going on here? Look at this. Four House districts flipped red, two of them on Long Island. Republican George Santos won his district where President Biden had won by 10 points just two years ago. Anthony Desposito flipped his seat that was held by Democrats since 1997. Up in Montana, a Navy SEAL did a good job. As you point out, we have veterans coming in, new tone. Uh, it's very no-nonsense. Let's get things done, red, white, and blue for our country. And it's going to be an exciting period in, in the House of Representatives. And we have a lot of special forces, a lot of combat vets. And this is time to take back America and focus on make sure we defend the Constitution. Absolutely true. With a Republican House majority, the attitude, the perspective, the priorities are going to be significantly different. And uh, that was Ryan Zink from Montana. Wesley Hunt in Texas, notably a black man. I guess we have to say that these days because a black conservative is a very damaging thing to the Democrats. Well, the three people on this panel actually willing to die for this country and die for our values and our way of life and willing to die for every single American. And that's the kind of mentality that you want from people that are then going to decide the laws of this land and the laws of this country. And it's the idea of putting America first, putting our priorities first. And the brave men and women that are willing to defend those values with their lives are also the brave men and women that you're going to see in Congress defend our Constitution with our lives as well. It's just a different battle. It's just a different fight, but it's still our form of service. Look, we love this country. We want to make sure that we preserve her and do right by her. And I think what you're going to see over the course of the next few years with this influx of veterans is the idea of us working together to get things done. Bang and zoom. And texters uh, texted in to remind me about Eli Crane in Arizona. Uh, worked for the veterans or maybe still works or did work for the Veterans Administration flipped a Democrat seat that by, that had been held by, I think, a three-time Democrat incumbent. Uh, you know, there's a lot of those stories around. California, a number of seats are flipping red in California. And, you know, we're going to need to get more data. We're going to be able to analyze this election more carefully when we have actual voting and turnout numbers. And I want to get to David, Johnny, and Mike. So um, let me just say one more thing. The pretty clear conclusion that can be drawn about how Joe Biden and the Democrats managed to avoid the red wave all falls on Gen Z, 27 years old and younger. They voted in extraordinarily high numbers. And why wouldn't they? Joe Biden gave them, promised them $10,000 in their off on their student loans or a refund if they'd already paid those loans. And promised them all kinds of other things. They're, they're in our colleges right now being brainwashed. They bought into the democracy is at stake in this election. Nonsense that comes from the Democrats who are the only ones trying to take away the, uh, the power and the structure of our constitutional republic. But there's a little good news there as well. Because the Gen Xers... The people, the generation ahead of the Gen Zers, they were extremely Democrat when they were 18, 19, 20 years old as well. And apparently, and I haven't seen the statistics, I heard someone I trust talking about this, and gosh, I hope I've got the number right, but they voted primarily Republican in this midterm election. Something like 20% Democrat in the Gen X based on exit polling. 
So places like Turning Point USA and uh, Colorado Christian University and the Centennial Institute and the, the, the organizations go on and on and on are having a tremendous effect on our youth. It looks like the Republicans may pick up only 15 seats, enough to have the majority in the House of Representatives. But remember this, too. During the Trump loss, ostensible loss, Republicans picked up 17 House seats that they weren't supposed to get during that election. So over those two elections, that's a total of 32 seats. And, and maybe that's part of why we did less well with uh, in the House of Representatives. I don't know. Again, it's way, way early, and a lot of these races aren't done yet. But there are a lot of reasons to feel not great. I'm not happy. But understand that the trajectory is going the right way. Newt Gingrich reported that 6 million more voters voted for Republicans than they did for Democrats in the U.S. House races in this midterm election. We know what we're doing with black voters and Hispanic voters and even some of these soccer moms who, instead of worrying about Trump's mean tweets, understand what's been done to their children in schools. All of those trends will continue. And by the way, this was a terrible election year for Republicans in the United States Senate. We had to defend a, a lot more seats than uh, than the Republicans. If my computer would quit going off, oh, it's because I didn't plug it in. Well, that was pretty stupid on my part because I had those numbers up. Let me just see if I can grab them real, real quick, and then we will grab a call or two before we go to our final break. Let's see. What am I looking for? Here we go. Senate races. Not Nevada. All of them. This is live radio at its worst. But I think the chart is right here. So Republicans had 21 seats that they had to defend. Democrats only had 14 this election cycle. That number flips in the next election. And it actually gets worse for the Democrats. And I'll dig up those numbers. Here it, here it is, in fact. This year, Democrats defending 14, Republicans defending 21. Next cycle, 2024, Democrats have to defend 23 seats. Republicans only have to defend 10. So in a bad year, we may still get the House out of this mess in spite of Gen Z, in spite of a lying media, in spite of all the turmoil over Donald Trump and everything else. All right, we got to at least get to one of these calls. Johnny, you've been waiting the longest Johnny in Denver, welcome back to the show. Yeah, I want to know what what are, what's being done about only Republicans voting in uh, primaries. So maybe uh, next time around, Dick Wadham won't get his uh, choice, and we'll get our choice. Yeah, well, that's a great question, Johnny. And uh, because we're short on time, I'll just answer you off air, or have you uh, have you listen on the radio? Johnny's line is open, 303-696-1971. Uh, I think open primaries, that battle's coming back. Um, we are waiting as far as the Colorado GOP simply for a letter from the Federal Elections Commission, a letter that was requested over a year ago, an advisory opinion on whether the Colorado GOP can raise a separate bucket of money to take on what could be a fairly expensive litigation. And... Um, the FEC has said their clock is running. We should finally 
after, you know, phone calls and consultations and, you know, your primary's over. Do you still need us to do it? And blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're supposed to have that decision from the FEC by the end of this year. So next year, no, you know, significant. I mean, all the elections are significant school boards and city councils or whatever the off year elections, but no midterms, no presidential next year would be a perfect time for the party to get on board this, what I still consider very winning lawsuit. So I think that battle is on and I know you'll hear, well, well, Tina Peters, you know, would she have done better or worse or Ron Hanks? And, you know, I don't know. I mean, Tina Peters, very unique circumstances. She would have certainly turned out base vote, which Pamela Anderson didn't. Ron Hanks, not a charismatic guy. I don't know what kind of a, you know, general election campaigner he might have turned out to be. I was very disappointed when he came out in support of a libertarian candidate. It it turns out it didn't matter much because Joe Day lost by such a huge margin, almost 13 points. But uh, uh, Republicans should choose the Republican candidates. We never get to find out how conservatives will do in a general election because they take out a Tom Tancredo. They knocked out a Ron Hanks. And they do that every single time. These same Rovian, McConnellian, Bushian, Wadhamsian, that doesn't sound very good, uh, you know, the, the same candidates and the same approaches to our general elections. They get us the same results every time. All right, we better stop here, take our final break. Dave and Mike, sit tight. We'll get to you when we return Randy Corpin on 710-KNUS. And we are back for the final hour of the show. I mean, the final segment of the final hour of the show. We will uh, hopefully be picking up that third hour in December. So stand by for that. I wish we had the third hour because I, I just got a rem- I, an invitation to Mar-a-Lago for the Tuesday announcement. Um. And I would have loved to have talked to you about that. I'm not going to be able to go because I've got uh, this deposition in Austin, Texas. So I'll be gone Wednesday and Thursday uh, unless something falls apart on that. But uh, uh, but I would have loved to have talked to you about, should Donald Trump have postponed this announcement? Are you certain it's going to be that he's running? What about the uh, attack on Ron DeSanctimonious and then the, the mocking of Glenn Youngkin's name? I, I didn't like it. I don't, this doesn't seem necessary or productive, but I understand, especially if it's true, what I'm hearing is that Ron DeSantis is palling around with the the Fox people and the Wall Street Journal, New York Post folks, all of the old Roger Ailes team that uh, turned, that didn't like Trump when he was running and then loved him while he was president and then immediately turned on him. Um, when he ostensibly lost the 2020 election. And so I imagine there's more behind the scenes than we know. I love Ron DeSantis. I've spent time with him, um, brief conversations, maybe about as much time as I've spent talking to Donald Trump, but just based on performance and record. And, you know, you've got to love the guy. And I don't get the timing of the attacks yet, but I am withholding judgment. We're not going to have time to talk about any of that. Before I get back to the full lines, I just want to make sure you guys hear a couple of things. There is always one party, anytime they lose an election, that shouts, election was stolen. The election was taken over. 
The election this was a cheat. This is former Republican, loudmouth, bag of wind, Anna Navarro. Santos barely won in 2018. Yesterday, he won by 20 percentage points. Why? Because he gained the system. Because he turned Florida into an unlevel playing field. They changed election laws, making it harder to vote by mail. That's not a red wave. Red wave is when people go out to the streets and vote. When you have what you had is a depressed, deflated vote. Yeah, you know, okay. And she's right about Ron DeSantis. He barely won in 2018. He was an unknown congressman until Donald Trump took him under his wing and came out for him and supported him and pushed him across the finish line in Florida. And nobody but Ron DeSantis to thank for everything he's done since. I, I don't take one thing away from Ron DeSantis. But it does seem a little, I don't know, maybe not disingen- disloyal maybe. And nobody owes anybody anything. Uh, somebody wants to run for president or governor or whatever, they get to do it. But uh, I don't know. If a guy brought you to into the Florida race and then through your own work, you've turned Florida into a solidly red state. Um, and you're a young guy, plenty of opportunity. Could you wait? I think you could. But are you talking with the president's enemies? Is there like plotting going on from the never Trumpers? at the Wall Street Journal, at Fox News, at the New York Post. And and I don't know about all of that. I would have liked to seen this fight not start just yet. I really would have. But uh, I'm not going to come out and say, oh, you know, this is it's going to be a primary. And if Trump is in it, and I bet he will be, it's going to be a brutal primary. So get ready. It ain't soccer. It ain't tiddlywinks. It is a blood sport. And Donald Trump's not messing around. So we shall see what happens. And one more thing for you guys to hear. Mike Pence. Remember how he just folded when the when the rioting started on January 6th? Here's what he said just a few days before that. You know, I know we all we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you. I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. Really? And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. But tomorrow is Georgia's day. So for our faith, for our freedom, we need you to vote Georgia, vote to send David Perdue and Kelly Leffler back to the United States Senate. So that's Mike Pence in Georgia the day before the runoff, promising on January 6th that he was going to go through the constitutional process if there was a properly brought challenge against the Electoral College votes. And there was. Here's Michael Pence on January 6th. Are there any objections to counting the certificate of vote of the state of Arizona that the teller has verified appears to be regular in form and authentic? Mr. Vice President, I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what purpose does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. Uh, Is the objection in writing and signed by a senator? Yes, it is. It is. And the, and the look on Pence's face, the look on Pence's face at that point was remarkable. 
he looked like, oh, God, what am I supposed to do now? And that process that he adjourned the Congress so that the different houses could go into their individual meetings and address these issues. And then, mysteriously, the doors to the Capitol were opened from the inside, remember? Perfect video of that big vault-like door that has to be opened electronically being opened. Lots of video. We Remember, we're missing 14,000 hours, but video of Capitol Hill police waving people in to the Capitol. People walking through on the red carpet, looking around in awe of this incredible building. And I know there were idiots who were breaking things, rabble-rousers. Some, I think, were there to cause the problems and, and stir people up. I mean, who were not there because they were, you know, Trump supporters. And then Pence folded like a cheap suit. So when people are upset with Pence for that behavior, I don't blame them a bit. All right, let's try and squeeze these in. Mike in Littleton, go. Hey, uh, Randy, um, real quick, I'm totally depressed. Uh, We Republicans at the state level did worse than ever. The Democrats have more control over both the state and Senate and House. Um, our vaunted new leadership in the state Republican Party, uh, Burton Brown and Priscilla Rahm, I don't think should be given another chance to uh, outdo themselves. They took things in the wrong direction. Um, but but uh, I, I didn't see much support for even good congressional candidates uh, from the National Party, um, Steve Bonahan, um, Eric Odlin, uh, those those were decent people, and they got blown out. Um, what what's uh, what do you, what do you what do you think about that? I guess. Well, I, uh, leadership elections are next year, and uh, I watched those two women just work their tails off, and uh, they made plans and they executed them as made. Um, there was help, I know, from the RNC and the community center and all kinds of things. It seems to me that we had an awful lot of candidates that did not inspire Republicans to vote. Republican turnout was not strong at all. And we're going to have plenty of time to assess this. Again, leadership elections will be, I think, in March of next year. So, Mike, I'm going to try and jump and get some calls in before the end of the show. But let's talk about that more as time goes on. Thank you for waiting. Dave and Thornton, go. Yeah, uh, about a little over a week ago, I told George Brockler on the morning show that O'Day, when he pointed fingers and said uh, that he couldn't support Donald Trump, I said he should have kept his mouth shut. That just ended him. I was going to vote for him when he said that. I said, there's another Mitt Romney, another and Dave, Dave, because of time, I'm going to end you there. But um, I was I received more emails after that statement than any other. And Donald Trump told me personally that that was stupid. Not that Joe Day is stupid, but that that statement, that move was stupid. And and I dis I don't disagree. He was trying to court those independents. It did not those unaffiliated. It didn't work. And the base, the Republicans, did not turn out in spite of my hard efforts to try and get everybody to just suck it up and vote. We've got one more Dave in Centennial. Only a few seconds, Dave. Go. 
Randy, my biggest problem is the love affair that this radio station has. It's supposedly a conservative radio station with Ted Trimpa. It's he is the most disgusting human being. It's like asking the Gestapo. I, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt you there just because the music. I will um, just say that I don't think he's disgusting. I do think he is a radical leftist who couches his intelligence and his perspectives in a very calm language, and uh, you got to be very careful around Ted. But uh, he's a very nice person, as far as I can tell. Anyway, that's it. We're at the end of the show. I'm Randy Corcoran. Always remember, please never forget, God loves you. So do I. We'll have a lot more to talk about next week as this continues. Thanks to Luis Gonzalez for a great job. And remember this. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.